It's all yours whenever you want it. Alrighty, alrighty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. Um, excited to be with you this week as we head on out of week two and get ready for week three of the NFL season. I am one half of your hosting duties, Nick Huffman, and sitting to my right is my co-host. Say what's up, Mike. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Mensing, and uh, I'm the other half of your hosting duties today. Um, how are you feeling today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, we are here at NBC Studios getting ready for episode number 16. Uh, Mike, what platforms can people find us on if they want to listen to all of this ill-advised sports advice, I suppose? <laughs> um, so there's a few different platforms that you can find us on. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, and typically Twitter. Um, Twitter is having, having some a little bit right of uh, technical difficulties, but hopefully we'll get it back on Twitter. And then if you do miss us on Thursday, you can find us on Friday evenings and on Saturdays at one o'clock uh, at MCN six, both on Roku on their app or uh, on your television on channel six That's cable. That's cable. We are yeah. a big time show going Hollywood folks. Mike, what do we have to tell the people today? Uh, a lot of NFL talk. Man. Lots of football because it's football like, season. Like we've said, Thank it's God. kind of our favorite time of the year. Um, so we're going to go through our picks from week two, um, right. go through our rights and wrongs. Um, we're going to do our Vikings then and now segment, which uh, we'll kind of highlight. Um, week two takeaways, week three highlights, NFL power structure. We've been uh, debating yeah. some of that lately. Yeah, we have um, the big money pick that we kind of started last week. Um, that was kind of a cool off brand like thing of us a little to do. segment yeah so we're gonna actually bring it back and then our glass half topic of the day but i would definitely say that our show is highlighted by our first official guest yeah hopefully uh in the middle of our vikings then and now segment we are going to get the writer for the athletic for the minnesota vikings and harif hassan to come on and join us and i hear he is an absolute stats junkie football enjoying guy just like we are so we'll have some good conversation with him uh, hopefully around 11 30 folks so stay tuned for that he should be right in the middle of everything but to make sure that we can get to that we got to get right into the show yep so it's time for me and mike to uh go over our rights and wrongs uh for last week uh, we're going to take accountability uh for where we may have uh, been incorrect and we are going to dance on some graves of the people that we were absolutely right on and i'm going to let mike go ahead and lead off this topic with mike what was your week two rights you got two of them to go through uh the two that i picked um buffalo over miami Okay. Um, everybody was kind of thinking that Miami might be able to make a push this year. That's just not a very good football team. It's it's a it's we're gonna get to where they're at kind of later in the show for the stacked rankings. They're just they're oddly structured. Yep. Like they can beat teams, but oftentimes I feel like you're left just kind of scratching your head. Like they should have been better against like Buffalo. What happened there? Yeah, right. So Buffalo is a pretty decent football team though, and that showed again. Um, and then my right number two, before I kick it back over to you is Denver over Jacksonville. Really? Um, yep. I picked Denver to beat Jacksonville. Um, Denver might be a decent football team this year. The Possibly. only thing that they have going against them is that they are in a very difficult AFC West. Well, Teddy is steady, right? Teddy is steady and they have an okay defense. Yeah. So and an, a decent enough defense, a, a quarterback that can manage the game very well and not turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. You're going to win some football games in the national football league um but when they start playing good competition you know the chiefs raiders i don't see them finish they'll, they'll probably still finish fourth we'll in see. that division they might be one of those teams that's really good and then benefits from a high draft pick just because they're in a very carnivorous division right 
And then next year you're going to be looking at them going, oh, they should be in an NFC, AFC style championship or, you know, conference championship game. Yep. So um, if they can retain some of that roster strength, good on them. Way to be right on those two things. Okay. Uh, I got it back over to you. Yeah. For, for, for mine, I'm going to go back to our questionable headline segment where I said the real saints were going to march in. Did you watch any of this game, Mike? Uh, I wasn't able to, unfortunately. Yeah. They looked terrible. And when we talked about the saints previously, we went, okay, they should be okay in what spots? The coaching position, eight of them got COVID. That was gone this week. Uh, their offensive line, really dominant, should be pretty consistent, right? Uh, they got pushed around uh, by the Panthers' defensive front, and then we said without Marshawn Lattimore, what corners? And they allowed Sam Darnold to go 20 for 26 with 300-plus passing yards on him. This, I mean, not to say that he's a bad quarterback, but he has not looked like that guy since USC. So I, I this is one of those things, man, I'm telling you, they're just not as strong as people think they are. People want to hold on to the hope that Peyton and Kamara and some of those interior players are enough. But in a league where you got to chuck the ball all over the yard, you don't know what version of Jameis Winston you're going to get. See, that's what I was going to say, too, is do you think it's more of the dichotomy between like the Jameis that we got in week one, who was extremely efficient, and the Jameis that we got in week two? I, I, I don't, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough, right? Because you just don't know enough about the Saints right now. You don't really know what's in the cupboards. Everybody would like to think that they're the team that they were when Drew Brees was there. That's Like I said, when you lose a locker room piece like that, sometimes that's he's your glue guy. Yep. And when some of the edges start to peel up, other people are going to pick at him. Michael Thomas isn't around this year. Jameis Winston's inconsistent. There's some. I could probably guess there's some friction between Taysom Hill and Sean Payton after him not earning the, earning the starting role. I'm sure you'll hear, hear more mumblings from Michael Thomas as he starts to come back. It's just going to be one of those seasons where you got to grit your teeth and get through it. They... The Packers lost that game, folks. It wasn't the dominance of the Saints, and it showed through against the Panthers. Sure. So that's what I got as uh, number one for my second one. Um, I was right about some of these playoff teams versus the teams that weren't playoff ready playing in week two. Okay. Okay. If you take a look at Minnesota, New England, Buffalo, Green Bay, Tennessee, and the Washington football team, all of them vastly improved between week one and week two. And I know the common phrase is you really can tell who a team is between week one and week two, because it's where you're going to see the biggest jump right. as to where teams that looked really good in week one, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Cincinnati, and Philly all took a massive step back against better competition. And it was just one of those things. They didn't play physical in week one because a lot of their starters sat because they're trying to save them. There's an additional game to the season. It's the first time they had been back in the building as a team since a lot of the COVID stuff. Uh, especially with the testing and less contact. So it was just going to take them a minute to get going. And once they got going, they were incredibly dominant. You could even take the uh, the Ravens, for example, the win over the Chiefs that they got was very much the same way. Once that team relearned how to play really physical football, they took it over. So uh, that's what I'll take as my my right numero dos on uh, week number two. Who do you, What do you got for your accountability and being wrong? So week my week two, two wrong, uh, I did actually choose the Chiefs to beat Baltimore. Yeah, I should have... Uh, I got that one wrong too. I don't feel bad about it though. Me either. Um, Good for Lamar. You know, that, Get the monkey off his back. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes had never lost to Lamar. Um, so we were kind of going with the trend there. And also, like, what a game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch what that. What a game. One. Um, it could have easily been a Chiefs win. Very easily. Um, so I don't really feel bad about that one, but I will eat crow on that uh week two wrong. Yeah, uh, and then mine was I called the uh the Vikings offensive line terrible, and I don't think they're as bad as we thought they were nope 
It's the defense that's terrible. I actually. think it's the defense that needs to catch up. There were two there were two matchups that I was paying very close attention to during the game. I wanted to see how Ali Udo was going to stand up when they rotated J.J. Watt down inside in the run game because Dalvin was starting to rip off some eight-yard carries. He held up. No penalties. Dalvin had a bunch of yards on the ground. Kirk was pretty clean. And then I wanted to pay attention to Rashad Hill yep. when he was going to get matched up with uh, Chandler Jones. Now, minus the one late where they left him on an island by himself and it led to a pressure and we did, couldn't then convert on third down. That was the pretty much the only mistake that he made all day. If they continue to make progress like that, pay very close attention to what the Vikings are going to be able to do because I will also say I was wrong on how bad that Arizona Cardinals team is. They got a lot of firepower in spots that matter. And I think the way that we were able to compete with them bodes for good things for the future for the Minnesota Vikings. Well, speaking of the Vikings, let's uh, go ahead and kick off our Vikings then and now. Mike, you going to forget about our fans? Oh. Apologize right now. I, I, I'm i sorry. All right. It, it says that you were supposed to do it. So I mean, I can, yeah. Folks, that was our rights and wrongs for week number two. Um, let us know where you guys were right, where you guys were wrong. We'd love to know uh, if there's any ESP individuals out there that are going to be able to tell the future. Maybe we can tap into you for our, our uh, big money pick of the week uh, yeah. from now on. But uh, we can move on to the Vikings then and now segment. Mike, take it away. So we're going to do a Vikings then and now segment. Um, and we're going to do this segment every week throughout the NFL season. That's right. And what that means is that we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings previous game yep. and then preview their next game. That's right. Um, so, Nick, why don't you go ahead and start the breakdown of week two? Yeah, um, I was I was in like I said in the previous segment, I was very um, optimistic. Uh, and now very happy about what I saw out of the offensive and defensive. You're lines. happy with an 0-2 team. Listen, there there are certain pieces. I believe it. We start slow. Can the Kansas City starts fast? The Vikings start slow. That's just how the, the Zim teams work for some reason. All right. So I'm going to have faith in the process. But what I saw out of the Week Two matchup was very encouraging. The offensive line held up against a good pass rush, and it was one of the most protected games that Kirk Cousins has ever had as a quarterback. That shows in the fact that he's got what like a top three QBR for, through the first two weeks. I'm okay with that. And then the other part is Daniel Hunter started to look like Daniel Hunter again. Three sacks, Michael Pierce with pressures. Um, the layered pass rush in this game was fantastic. Um, Pat P was pretty much locked down on D Hop, minus a couple of broken plays, which including he, the touchdown. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, like I said, there were there was definitely some mistakes, but there's you're starting to see the big plays out of the big pay guys that we were hoping to see if this was going to be a team. And I think you know as much as zero and two is zero and two, we could also be two and zero. You're looking at uh, a couple of penalties and a field goal or uh, one less busted coverage in that Arizona Cardinals game or our ability to convert on third down at all to, to making this this happen, but we're close. Um, like the, the bad in this for me maybe was just that we were bad in big spots. 0 for 10 at one point on third down. You leave Rashad Hill alone late in the game against Chandler Jones and it creates a pressure and Kirk Cousins can't convert. Um, they're just... There, there, there are positive things, but there are things that we definitely still need to continue to improve on if we're going to get better. And you're right. We are 0-2, so it is time maybe now to take some chances you normally wouldn't have to because uh, Arif Hassan, who is going to be on with us here hopefully hopefully in a little bit, wrote an article, Owen Tombstone. It's hard to dig yourself out of holes and statistically almost impossible to win a Super Bowl if you go 0-3. So you said something very similar to what Coach Zimmer said. Uh, yeah, we're 0-2, but we could be 2-0. With, with a couple plays here and there. Yeah. I'm going to bring up an old Bill Parcells quote. Okay. 
you are what your record says you are. A hundred percent. And right now we are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah. Period. And you have to play like it now. You have to play like you're the underdog the entire season. Yep. So my input on the week two game, um, getting very frustrated with all of the big names on our no name defense. Yeah. Uh, 900 some odd yards for the first two, two weeks, I think, or something like that. It's been, it's horrible. It's been we, really we bad. We can't stop. And I get that uh, Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray, but Joe Burrow is an up-and-coming quarterback. He's not a top-ten quarterback, and yeah. he ripped us to shreds. And this yeah. is supposed to be the new and improved veteran secondary under Coach Zim. Like, this is supposed to be his one shot to just shut down offenses. Yeah. Um do they think they're still in preseason? Because they're not shutting anybody down yet. Hey guys, yeah, um, Arif is is in the building here. So hey, let awesome. me just get him patched in here. Just be one second here. Uh, Absolutely. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and introduce him so we can make sure that we are on time, ladies and gentlemen. The, the guy that is about to join us is uh, a football junkie. His Twitter handle says that he is a football enjoyer as well. He's got lots of credentials, folks. He has written for places like the LA Times. Forbes, Bleacher Report, and he has the Minnesota cover guy for The Athletic and host of the Wide Left Podcast. Welcome, Arif Hassan. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So uh, me and Mike were just talking about the the, the Arizona Cardinals game uh, and, and some of the things that we pulled out of that. Was there anything, and we'll get into the Seahawks talk here in a minute, but, um, and by the way, welcome. Glad to have yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for being with us. Um, anything that you pulled out of that that Arizona Cardinals game that you think really jumped out at you um, that that people may not have noticed? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings were using motion a lot more on offense. You know, just kind of moving KJ Osborne back and around in the backfield, and it got rid of the ball a lot quicker. I think Cousins was one of the fastest time to throw quarterbacks in the NFL this last week, which is pretty unusual. I mean, I think okay. last year uh, he ranked dead last in, in time to throw, which is you know a product of a lot of things. It's not always his fault, but. Uh, you know, getting rid of the ball quickly, I think that's a big part of the reason you haven't seen him pressured that much. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and Mike, you got any? What, well, I think, okay I think that you? lends to his efficiency, right? Like if he can just drop back, make a pre-snap read and deliver the football, um, especially with motions, giving him a clue into what defense, you know, or what coverage the defense is running. Um, I think that bodes well for the Vikings moving forward as well, having a, a good run game and then efficient and quick hitting passing game. Yeah. Um, Arif, if, if you don't mind, man, uh, I also did see, and I want to get to this even before we, we even get it anywhere near running out of time. I wanted to take the, a quick second before we get into the Seattle Seahawks game to ask you about uh, the Lavender Project. I saw that you were doing some some fundraising. I wanted you to let the people know uh, what was going on, what it's about, and how we can help. Yeah, for sure. Every year uh, that the Vikings play the Seahawks, which I guess is every year, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do some fundraising for uh, a Seattle-based organization that uh, works to help trans youth in the Tacoma, Seattle area. Uh, and in particular, like the, they've recently started focusing on, on an underserved group within that, which is black and indigenous trans youth. Uh, and they provide legal services. So things like fighting discrimination and discrimination laws, providing legal name change services, uh, it's stuff like that. So I've been in contact with the development director. Uh, they've been just an absolute, you know, fantastic group to work with over the past five years. Uh, and, and this year so far, we've raised, uh, you know, over $2,000. Uh, there's uh, also a matching fund thing. So uh, if you donate now at, um, you could just go to tinyurl.com slash LRP. So that's Lavender Rice Project, LRPBDay21, tinyurl.com slash LRPBDay21. You can donate and uh, 50% of your donation up to 
uh, you know, $20 will be matched. Uh, so you can actually kind of maximize what you're doing. So I think that's really cool um, to provide, you know, a, a type of service that's typically not provided. Absolutely, man. And when we cut this up to put it on social media, we'll make sure if you guys check in the, the uh, comment or the, the title of down below, we'll put the URL that you can go on over there to donate. I'll make sure that I make a $20 donation on behalf of the show myself. Um, I think that the work you guys are doing with that is absolutely fantastic. Um, kicking in and I thank you for, for giving a, a platform for places like that. But if you don't mind, me and Mike would like to ask you some questions on this upcoming game against what's going to be a, a, a tough Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot. Go ahead, Mike. So it does seem like we play the Seahawks every year, and uh, thankfully we finally get them at the bank instead of having to travel out west. Thank God. Um, Russell Wilson is 7-0 and lifetime against the purple and gold. Um, I guess my question for you is what needs to change defensively from last week, you know, with a dynamic quarterback in Kyler Murray, another dynamic quarterback coming up in week three with Russell Wilson. Um, what needs to change defensively for us to be able to bottle him up a little bit? Well, what's kind of interesting is that Zimmer's been pretty successful at slowing down Russell Wilson compared to other teams. If you look at the last five years of play, um, no team has done a better job, except, I guess, Washington, which played him twice in the last five years. Don't know if that counts. No team has done a better job uh, reducing his passer rating. Like, he's had the lowest adjusted net yards per attempt against the Vikings versus any other team over the past five years. So um, the Vikings kind of know what to do. Obviously, defenses change, offenses change. Uh, and so they'll they'll keep adapting, and, and the Vikings need to pay attention to that. But uh, making sure that that explosive play is not there, that's the biggest area where Seattle hurts people. Uh, the run game is fine. It's not as good as it used to be. Um, but the run game is fine, so that's something you have to pay attention to. But they love using play action to get Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf deep. They had a couple of opportunities in this Tennessee game that they missed because of that. Uh, and uh, and I think that's how Tennessee won, is that they were able to take away at least some of those explosive plays. Now, obviously, that was a fantastic game. Seattle got out ahead, so they weren't perfect at it. But, um, you know, maybe keeping those safeties a little bit deeper than you're used to keeping against a run-forward team might be the way to do that. You know, I'm obviously not an expert in anything like that, but... Uh, it, it would be nice to kind of see them continue that effort. Uh, they've done a pretty good job of containing him, preventing him from scrambling. I think ever since that 2015 game where, where you know, in the playoffs where, yep. you know, the scrambling yeah. killed them, they've paid a lot of attention to finding ways to contain him in the pocket while still creating pressure. So, uh, you know, protecting deep and and creating pressure without opening up scramble lines. Yeah, uh, okay. Okay, and my, my I guess my follow-up question to that is going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Cameron Dantzler has been a little bit of an absence um, here between, you know, the first two weeks of the season. He got 16 snaps, and I thought, I, I mean, I was encouraged. He looked really good in the fourth quarter of that game, um, even breaking, on, breaking up that touchdown interception. But uh, I, I get the feeling that he is going to get left, get a little bit more snaps. Brashad Breland hasn't played well. Where do you think that they're going to play him? Is he going to see a lot of time against maybe Tyler Lockett? Or because of his length, do you think he'll see more time over a guy like DK Metcalf? And how is that going to pan out with him not having a ton of reps under his belt already for the regular season? Yeah, I'm pretty curious about that. I think that you mentioned that his length, his physicality in general would be pretty useful against a player like Metcalf. Um, the Vikings don't, you know, shadow their receiver or cornerbacks anymore like they used to with Xavier Rhodes. So mm -hmm. Patrick Peterson plays on the right. Whoever is on the left plays on the left. So that could be Bashad Breland. It could be Cameron Dancer. It could be uh, Chris Boyd. Um, that, that size matchup is a big concern. Obviously, speed is an issue as well. Um, you know, Dancer's looked slower this year than he did last year and i think that's because he's he's added muscle mass in order to you know help preserve his body mm -hmm. um but that means that it's going to be tough to find a way to match him up because if you match him up physically he'll beat you with speed and if you match him up from speed he'll probably beat you up physically right so that's a huge issue that is going to take probably you know concerted effort from both him and the safeties uh in order to in order to match up now in terms of who's actually playing 
I wish I knew. I don't know. Cameron Dancer obviously has been behind in the depth chart. He wasn't even active, if I remember correctly, for week one. Yeah. Um, and that's because he's behind Chris Boyd on the depth chart, too. It's not just that he lost the starting job to Sean Breland. It's that he lost the backup job uh, in addition to that. And he's been really inconsistent in the okay. preseason and practices and so on. My understanding is that he's continued to be a little bit inconsistent in practices, but you're right. That fourth quarter where, where he should, I think he played 16 snaps. I thought he played really tremendously well. He had that great pass breakup in the end zone uh, right before that play. Um, you know, he had good coverage. It was a drop, so it's not like he got 100% credit for it, but it was good coverage nevertheless. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, performance like that in games is encouraging, and it might lead to just kind of seeing him rotate in there. It could be kind of like how a couple of years ago, we saw Terrence Newman and Trey Waynes rotate a little bit, right? And so maybe they'll they'll rotate, see what happens, uh, and and play the matchups. Cool, yeah, kind of a by by committee second corner. Mike, you got another one for him? Yeah. Um. So you did mention on uh the fact that the Seahawks running game is just not as potent as it once was. You know, with Chris Carson and then a banged up Rashad Penny coming into Week Three here. Um, I'm actually going to flip it to the other side of the ball. I think one of the keys to victory for the Vikings is controlling possession and having an effective running game. Um, and my question is, what do we have to do, in your opinion, uh, maybe two, three tight end sets to stop a downhill safety in Jamal Adams, who just signed a new contract with them this uh, past offseason? Yeah, Adams is going to be an interesting problem, especially because, you know, where he is, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner isn't and vice versa, right? And so uh, if, if you're trying to find a way to identify kind of if Jamal Adams is run blitzing and you figure out what gap that's going to be and you decide to orient your run scheme away from that, you're probably running into Bobby Wagner, right? So yeah. there's uh, some some pretty big issues there in terms of the way that you're designing your runs. I think for the most part, um, if the Vikings just kind of, I shouldn't say don't worry about it, but, you know, play to their strengths more than they are to play away from Seattle's weaknesses or play away from Seattle's strengths, rather, um, they'll probably do a better job because okay. if they run like a wide zone style, you know, whatever, and they go to the sideline with their, with their offensive line, some seams and holes are going to open up. Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner will be covered up at some point by a little bit, at least by offensive linemen. And the run blocking from the Vikings in this last game was a lot better than it was against the Cardinals or against the Bengals. Uh, and I think, you know, players like Ezra Cleveland, who have had, you know, a good year thus far, players like Oluyudo, I think they'll be able to open up enough lanes for, for Cook to get enough of a seam, right? Because I don't think you can ever truly hope to completely block, you know, Wagner or Adams. Mm -hmm. But if you can create opportunities for, for Cook to win, I think that's kind of your best opportunity there. Okay. No, I would agree. I would agree. What do you think? I, I would agree as well. Um, I think, you know, possibly not even worry about them and, and just let our zone scheme do do its job and hope that Dalvin finds a seam or two. I agree. Uh, you got time for one more, Reef? Yeah, let's go. Awesome, man. Well, the, I wanted to talk a little bit about the article that you had written. I didn't get a chance to get all the way through it, but I saw that you had posted something on Twitter, which is actually how me and you connected on this O and Tombstone Minnesota Vikings team currently. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about... I know the article had to do with how hard it is to, or statistically, and I know you're a big stats guy, uh, make a conference championship game or a Super Bowl when you do start at these 0-2, 0-3 level starts. What did you, I mean, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what the article has to, for uh, people who may not be big readers such as myself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so one thing that's been kind of going around the past couple of years is how difficult it is to make the playoffs once you're 0-2, I think. Uh, if you take a look at which teams would have qualified for a 14-team playoff over the past 10 years, about 11% of teams that okay. go 0-2 end up making the playoffs, right? It's not very common. Obviously, it happened to the Vikings in 2008. Uh, it happened to, you know, it happens to one team every year, which is why I don't pay that much attention to it. Because there, if there's one team that can do it, uh, so long as you're one of the good 0-2 teams, you've got, got kind of an outside shot. So 
Um, I tried to take a look at, you know, whether or not the Vikings were that team. And, and out of all of the 0-2 teams, they've got the best point differential, which is not shocking. They took one game to overtime. The other one was a point away. Uh, and uh, the kind of the underlying fundamentals of the team are solid, right? Because, you know, one of the other teams is the Colts, right? And right. we don't even know if their starting quarterback is, is available. And we don't even know if he'll be consistent from game to game. So um, because of that, I think if you were to pick one 0-2 team, I think it's going to be the Vikings. And you take a look at all of these other analytics organizations that have different ways of ranking teams. So I think team rankings has one number fire has one ESPN has a football power index. 538 has one football outsiders has one, all of them. So all of them have roughly a one in three chance for the Vikings to make the playoffs. So okay. off the bat, we know that they're three times better than the average Owen two team. Yeah. Um, so I think that's maybe the way to look at it because I don't think as it stands, the Vikings are likely to make the playoffs. But the reason you play the games is because somebody who's unlikely to make it is going to end up making it. Yeah. So I don't think it's time to give up on the team or anything like that. Prepare for the fact that they're probably not going to make it, but also be prepared to buy in that they could make a small run. And if they beat Seattle, I think that that's going to restore, I think, a lot of confidence from fans into the team. Because, you know, losing to the Bengals, that sucks. They were pretty bad last year. But, you know, Seattle's kind of the opposite, beating them. Sure, the Vikings are a confusing team then, but they always are. Uh, you can you can kind of you know kind of see what happens. I think if Eric Hendricks doesn't get injured last year, they make a much better yeah. run at the playoffs last year because they turned that defense around week three, week four, rattled off a couple of wins, including against the the Packers, and um, you know showcase that even with like a, a kind of a, a broken young defense, that they've got the ability to compete, and and I think that there's that possibility there. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you, man. I think that's a great take. Uh, I know getting 0 and 2 and then potentially 0 and 3 is uh, is definitely something no NFL team wants to do, man. I can't appreciate uh, or say enough how much we appreciate having you on the show. Um, feel free, you are our first guest. This is your first time on the show, and hopefully we can bring you back as a frequent flyer. We'd love to have you anytime that you've got the time for us. Great football knowledge, man. Uh, why don't you let everybody know one more time where they can find you on social and what foundation you're working with. Yeah, sure. You can find me at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. Uh, and the foundation I'm working with is the Lavender Rights Project. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash LRPBday21. You can also find them on Facebook. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd love for everybody to check them out. I think they're doing great work. Absolutely, man. Hey, thank you. Uh, anytime you uh, want to come back on, reach out, let us know. There will always be a platform here for you, brother. Fantastic. Dope. See you around, man. Yep, you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause for our first guest. Wow, put it in the books. That was awesome. Go us. We are making progress that was on awesome. this show. Um, so knowing all of the information that he was just able to get give us, and that is a football IQ guy right there, what do you think about our week two matchup with the Seattle Seahawks? Or week three matchup with the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, it's it's basically still what we're talking about, right? Like, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, it's going to be true downhill football game it's gonna be hard hitting it's gonna be who makes the play when it comes to them yeah right like I, I i i would predict this game is within three to four points um somebody's gonna make a play with four minutes left in the fourth quarter that's gonna change the momentum or yep. change the game um i just really hope it's us for once against seattle man yeah um for me i look at it like this Seattle games are always what Seattle games are going to be. Minnesota's going to have to earn it on both sides of the ball, and Seattle's going to get it in chunks. Listen, they— So not just both sides of the ball either. Seattle's special team is very good. Ridiculously is, good. Is very good, but the, Seattle gets it in chunks. If you look at their offense right now, they're first in the NFL at 7.4 yards per, per play, right? So they're going to get it in chunks. They've got DK Metcalf. 
Tyler Lockett's wily. Russell Wilson's always a threat to scam- scramble. Now I think big keys will be getting guys like veteran guys back, like Barr potentially this week, potentially Griffin coming off that car accident. I think we missed him a lot last week as another edge pass rusher. I know he isn't as fast as he used to be, but to contain a guy like Kyler Murray, not to say that Russell Wilson is the same animal, he tends to go upfield a lot more, and I think that'll benefit Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce a little bit. But then you also gonna are going to have to look at that matchup. Cameron Dantzler is the reason we lost that game last year, if you if I remember correctly. He's the one that couldn't quite get the ball away or, or cover DK Metcalf on the goal line. So it's going to come up to him. If he's going to get some snaps this year, they're going to remember that and attack him. And I think he's the one that's going to have to make a play. So so I was actually um, going to bring this up as well. Uh, with Bashad Breeland playing so poorly, I believe right now he's ranked 88th. 99th. Of, 99th out of all corners. Is that last? Um, very close. Yeah. It's like a second to last. Yeah. Um, he needs to sit. So why not just play Dantzler? Because he can't do worse. That's true. I would agree. Him and then at least develop then, a young corner. And then Chris, I would rotate him and Chris Boyd in yep. until uh, Breland can kind of work his way back into shape. You know, maybe you see if you can shift him inside because when he's been beaten, it's been over the top. Yep. Maybe shift him inside where he's got some to that nickel roll so you can keep Mackenzie Alexander fresh, get your young guys some experience out on the edge. That might be a recipe for success in this game because I think it's – you're right. It's going to be physical. It's going to take a lot of bodies to, to to get this one off the ground. What is your prediction for with uh, the game this weekend, Mike? So as a Vikings fan, I'm going to predict Minnesota 28, Seattle 24 – as a normal, rational human being who just watches the NFL. Uh, no hedging bets on I this show, see, Michael. I will say, uh, all right, fine. You going to stick with the Vikes then? Sure. You, all right. You made me, so yeah, I will. Well, there's no hedging bets here. Skull till we die, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, all right. I didn't pick the Vikings to go 17-0, but like, in a way, that's... If if the Vikings win the game, it would be something like that, 28-24. Um, yeah. That's how I'll say it. The more realistic option to happen would be a Seattle 24, Vikings 21. I think you'll see a drastic correction in defense this week. I mean, they can't get much worse. And it goes 17-21, Minnesota Vikings. All right. That's what I've got for the final score. So, folks, let us know what you guys pulled out of the Arizona Cardinals game. If you uh, love the Arif Hassan segment, because and I know you did, because you love Arif awesome. Hassan. He was really Thank good. you once again so much for joining in. Comment below uh, what you got out of that segment about his big old brain and what you think the Vikings are going to be able to do heading into Week Three against Seattle for our home opener in the first of three home games. We always appreciate you, and we will get back to you in the comment section after the show. If we don't get to you live, this is an interactive show, folks. If, if you got something to say, say it. We'll get to it. Mike, what do we got next? Um, we're going to go over our uh, NFL-wide takeaways from week two. From so, in here to out yep, here, right? Yep, we just went from, uh, what is it, micro to macro? There we go, we'll go micro ahead. to macro focus. Killer guest. Gabe Noah says uh, that was a killer guest. He was, man. He uh, The analytics piece <sighs> is just not to be underestimated at all. Absolutely. Guy's a, uh, a genius. I didn't know that we basically played the best defense against Russell Wilson because it really doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But then you, it it makes sense. You look at some of the other things that are going on, like what he does against the Colts and stuff. You're like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, week two takeaways. Mike, you've got it uh, with, uh, what's your your first one? So my most important takeaway is kind of what you touched on earlier in the show. Okay. Um, Overreaction week one. Yeah. Right. So we talk about it every year when we go into, you know, analyzing the week one results. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where's the overreaction going to be here? So the Saints beat the Packers 38 to three week one. 
Everybody James Winston's a Super Bowl quarterback. James Winston was like the second coming of Drew Brees for some reason. <sighs> they thought the Packers were done for the year. Um, that was the overreaction, right? So the Saints aren't maybe that good. Mm. I, I still think they're a good football team. They could beat anybody on a, any given Sunday. Yeah. And the Packers are a decent football team. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm still not going to totally overreact the other way and say the Packers are playoff contenders They're because not. they barely beat a bad Lions team. Um, but I think the Saints are kind of reverted back to who we thought they were. Yeah. Uh, my second piece on that is where was the not the overreaction, right? So the Raiders played great week one, mm -hmm. beat the Ravens. And then came out and beat who I still think is a good Pittsburgh Steelers team in week two. And the Raiders are sitting at 2-0. Derek Carr has the most passing yards in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, are the Raiders for real? So this, I, this is what I had as one of my takeaways as well, right? And we're going to – both of my takeaways are going to come from that one game because of how much me and you debated the Steelers. And we've talked a little bit about the Raiders. I really wanted to pay attention to this matchup. Now, okay. I think this pass rush – the completion of this pass rush and the adding of veteran leadership in KJ Wright to that middle linebacking core makes this a playoff team. And I wasn't so sure of it until I saw it against multiple teams. The What I saw against Lamar and then what I saw against Pittsburgh, well, now we're going to get to Pittsburgh's offense here in a minute as my other takeaway, but allowing them to truly play Gruden's style of football now where it's going to punch they're going to punch you in the mouth on defense and then they're going to come out and they're going to punch you in the mouth on offense and then when you're not looking they're going to throw one over the top yep. looks really really good now they very easily could sneak it in, sneak into the playoffs because of this but on the flip side of that argument the pittsburgh steelers are a bad football team i watched the game and Gabe, I think I had I put it in here as media. And if I didn't, if you can go to our Twitter page on Glass Half Sports and scroll down to the Steelers tweet, I li I literally sat there and I went, okay, Mike thinks that this isn't a bad offense. Juju and Ben and Mike Tomlin, Chase they Claypool, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, they not, yep, they should be able to figure should it I out, keep right? Going? No, they should be able to figure it out. And the Raiders, while they are a good defense, I would not consider them a top five NFL defense. I'd Maybe they're top ten. Top ten. Maybe between there and 15 because it's a very close sure. race, right? So in the early part of, of the first quarter, they couldn't run the football. So they had – early in the first quarter, couldn't run the football. So then they go to passing the football. Their O-line is bad. And because their O-line is bad, it has eliminated Najee Harris in everything except for the passing game and goal line situations in the first two weeks. Okay? There were plenty – and here we go. So here, I've, I've got it right here. In the first quarter, early interception – Due to pass rush up the middle. So the middle, there's guys in Ben's lap. When they come from the edges, Ben is really great at stepping up and shrugging some guys off, but it's coming up the middle now. Then they had a holding on Juju Smith-Schuster on second down that backs them up and they stall out a drive. Okay, Drive killing penalty. Okay. Yeah. After that, Najee Harris neutralized to five attempts in the first half. Okay, we go to the second quarter. Ben Roethlisberger, right before, right before halftime, gets hit on both first and fourth down. I got to ask, is that his actual Twitter handle? Yes. He spelt his own last name wrong? It's what I clicked on for verified. That's hilarious. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger gets hit on accident. first and fourth down of a very important drive going into half that could have yep. made this game close. Yep. Okay, And hit hard, by the way. Okay, we're like, okay, halftime adjustments, which due to the Manning cast, we now know aren't real. They should be good in the third quarter. Mike Tomlin is a smart head coach. 
first drive, there's a coverage sack on. And when if you're going to tell me that Chase Claypool, Ebron, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Najee Harris are all starters, top-tier talent. By the way, Clay, Chase Claypool lost a lot of one-on-one balls that day. For them to be getting coverage sacks coming out of halftime with scripted plays, probably not the best thing. Then you go into the fourth quarter, more pressure. They can, and then they get their best offensive lineman kicked out of the game. That's undisciplined football. This is a bad team. Structurally, it starts on the offensive line. Their brand of football that they need to play in Pittsburgh to win would require them to be able to run. And because they can't do that, that defense spends too much time out on the field. And it costs TJ Watt, who, like I predicted, wasn't in camp due to a hold-in being selfish for money. Now has a groin injury. He's going to miss multiple weeks. They had no punch once he left the field because Melvin Ingram is not the same level of pass rusher. They are going to struggle. So I wouldn't argue that they're as bad as you think still. Okay. So, yes. So, here's the reason. So, typically in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. even going back to the 70s, Pittsburgh has always built been built inside out. Yeah. Start on the offensive line, start on the defensive line, build out from there. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just because this year they're basically built from outside in doesn't necessarily make them a bad football team. What it means is they have time and they need to find it quickly if they're going to have a shot at the playoffs. They need to realize that their identity is not the normal Pittsburgh Steelers. And But here's the thing. Ben also looks old. It was all over media this week. His ability to throw the football into spots now, where which what is what used to make him so lethal. He could get into a spot, and Pittsburgh always made sure they had wide receivers that could get to that spot, right? He can't do that. He's becoming less and less accurate. You don't go into year 16 and all of a sudden decide, I'm going to take care of my body and reinvent yourself. And Terry Bradshaw has already said it. It, When it goes, it goes, and it goes fast. And it looks like it went for Ben Roethlisberger after they went into week 12 last year where his arm just looked flat. And that is just another detractor that's going to make it really hard to win football games. And they don't have a succession plan. Are you telling me if Ben goes the the Drew Brees route, they need to rest him for five weeks, that you trust Dewey Haskins to come in and chuck the rock around for five weeks in a row and keep them a playoff contender? You can't. So this is going to be a bad year for Pittsburgh football. I'm sorry. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. They're kind of like middle of the road, could win a game here or there that pushes them into the playoff push. I don't know about that because it's going to be hard to even beat some of the bottom feeders that have a pass rush now. So let us know what you guys think uh, your takeaways from week two were. Um, as far as any of the games that you watched in any media I have market. An, I, I have my second most important takeaway, though. Oh, what was that? Uh, so is Taylor Heineke the one that got away? He is the one that got away. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to fr- talk about it. Because it's going to frustrate the fuck out of so me. So Taylor Heineke was on the Vikings roster, folks, if you didn't know that. So was Teddy Bridgewater. Well, Assholes. yeah, but Teddy's Teddy's a great game manager. This is about a great game manager. This is about Heineke. Who's going to get a Bud Light beer sponsorship? Taylor Heineke is not a game manager whatsoever. He's a gamer. He is a gamer. 34 for 46, 336 yards, two tugs, and a game-winning drive. Guy's a G. The knock on him wasn't that he was a bad quarterback. It's that he couldn't stay healthy. That that was literally his issue. I was listening to people talk about it all week long or all, all day long. There's an alternate universe game. where Taylor Heineke has been the the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, and he's like entering his fourth year. And we have a Super Bowl, probably. I would say we're very close, if not have a Diggs Super Bowl. Is probably still here. Yep. And that's how sad that is, right? 
Taylor Heineke's a dude, man. It's gonna be well. You know what I love about Taylor Heineke? Team go. You know what I absolutely love about Taylor Heineke? It's the exact same thing I loved about Case Keenum. They he plays with his heart on his sleeve. If he needs a yard, that man will lower his shoulder and make sure he gets two. Kirk Cousins will slide. I will give him credit. The thirty-yard scamper was impressive last week. But I agree. It's you got to have one of those guys. That when you get in the huddle, the rest of the team goes, okay, even if we can't get it done, He'll get that guy's going to make sure that we don't fall apart, right? He will drag us like limp body lifeless across the finish line if we have to. He's a gamer. I'm really glad that he's there with Fitzpatrick because he's only going to encourage that type of leadership on that team. And uh, there are two quarterbacks that I think got into, into games this week that are never coming out. One of them is Taylor Heineke. The other one is Justin Fields. So I would agree. They are both set to start the rest of the season, and I think it's going to benefit both the rosters that got them. I don't think Fields will start the rest of the season, and that's only because Matt Nagy doesn't know how to run a locker room. But back to Taylor Heineke really quick. The other most impressive thing that I saw from Taylor Heineke was throwing a pick late in the fourth quarter to give the Giants an opportunity to kick a field goal to get the lead back. Mm -hmm. And as a young kid making your third career NFL start, yeah, to come back out with like a minute 30 left after just throwing a huge interception and lead the team down the field on a game-winning drive to set up a field goal. Now, obviously, if he was in Minnesota and he you know, led the team down the field to set up a game-winning field goal, we'd, we'd miss, miss it. it. But the fact that he was able to do that and rebound from that interception, man, oh, Taylor Heineke's the one that got away. Yep. Hey, big ups to Riverboat Ron for letting Heineke just go out there and chuck that pill around too. Loved it. All right. I'm a big fan of his. Now, really quick, I'm going to touch on the thing that you just said. So, Didn't he mess up his leg helping a friend move when he was in Minnesota, which led to him getting cut? Tevin, that, uh, it that was comment there comes from like Tevin that, yeah. Pittman, and uh, that would be 100% correct. He did uh, yeah. injure his leg doing something non-football related, and that's what led to his departure from Minnesota. So uh, thanks, Tevin Pittman, for reminding us why. Minnesota never holds on to quarterbacks who hurt their legs. He's still the one that got away. I agree. Um Matt Nagy came out and said as clear as day that no matter what happens, Andy Dalton will be the starter when he becomes healthy. Now, is this because I believe it's in Andy Dalton's contract that he was told he's the guy that he will start for the Chicago Bears? So is that because they don't want to like get sued? Or is that just because Matt Nagy was like an insurance guy before he started working for Andy Reid in Kansas City and he just doesn't know how to handle a locker room? Sorry, he severed his tendon kicking a window because he locked himself out of the house. That's dumber than helping that's, a friend That's move. even worse. Tevin Pittman said, sorry, he severed a tendon kicking in a window because he locked himself out of the house talking about Taylor Heineke and his departure from Minnesota. Yeah, that's about par for the course. Just That's just Viking luck right there. Yeah, that's not great. Right? But uh, the Matt Nagy thing, I want to hold off on Justin Fields' talk until we see what he's going to be able to do this week before I make any call on, like any legitimate call on whether or not Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. But, but Nagy said he's going to be the starter. Listen, when you're a coach who's fighting for you for your job, you go with the guy that got you there. And let's say the Bears go into Cleveland this week and Justin Fields and his mobility keeps him away from Miles Garrett in that pass rush and then even if they lose and it's close, and then the next week you're going up against the Detroit Lions and Andy Dalton is healthy with that poor pass rush and defense with no corners that's going to give you a ton of confidence to restart Justin Fields, you're not going to, you're going to pull him? You're going to sit him down before your cupcake game of the year? No. 
New. But you made no. a promise to the Red Rifle. No, you didn't. You don't. We said this last week. You don't owe him anything. He's been there for three weeks. That's the only reason he came to Chicago, though, was because he was told he was going to be the starter. Bummer. Football's a business. Play better. All right. Football's a business. Here's our business deal. Oh, by the way, it's two weeks into our business deal, and I'm going to back out of it. It is what it is, man. There it are is better what it t- isn't. They're, they're, they're situations are situational, and the Bears are better with him on the field. All right. So, so moving on to week three. If you keep forgetting our fans, I'm going to dunk you in a basketball hoop. Let us know what your guys' takeaways were from week two, what you pulled out of it, what you pulled out of me and Mike's takes from today. And uh, after the show, I will go like whitewash him in a non-existent snowbank for forgetting about you guys. I apologize. We can move on to week three. Go ahead, Mike. Um. So, yeah. We've uh, we've kind of pre-scouted a few of these games, so we're going to kind of highlight some things to pay attention to moving into week three. Yes, sir. Um, Nick, do you want to take the Thursday night football game here, which kicks off in about seven hours? Which I'm, I'm always excited. <laughs> Folks, it's the time of year where you wake up on a Thursday and the air's a little cold and you're sitting outside drinking your cup of coffee and you go, football season. So, uh, unfortunately, on this awesome Thursday, you're just not going to get the same quality of play that you got uh, in weeks one and two. Um, Carolina versus Houston is one of those games where you go, oh, maybe I can just go to Target or go do my grocery shopping or something during the game. But it will be interesting to see Davis Mills, the Stanford graduate, get his first start. And as always, I'm always super intrigued to see what's going on. Uh, in Houston in general, because I feel like when Spotlight gets put on this team, they're going to bring up the Deshaun Watson situation. So maybe they uh, shake something new up and we get a piece of info tonight, Mike. That's all I got on Thursday Night Football. I feel like watching the Texans is like a live look in on the Titanic sinking. <laughs> True. Like, you just get to watch an entire NFL franchise just fall from grace. Completely. Hey, Houston, there's enough room on the door for Deshaun Watson. Right, right. Jesus There's Christ. enough Great room analogy. on the door. Um, oh, Jesus. It's just awful. Like you have you have Tashawn Watson on your roster, and you've started Tyrod Taylor, who looks really good and is the who, most unfortunate quarterback in NFL history. His career is just yeah, heartbreak after heartbreak. Um, and he is a good quarterback, but I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson is better. Yeah. Um, and now you're going to start a rookie in his first ever NFL game instead of just letting Desha- like I I don't know, man. It just doesn't. Makes sense to me, Mike. Just, what's going on there? Just look away from the car crash and tell right. me what your best noon game on Sunday is going to be. Uh, best noon game, uh, I think it's between two of them, and neither of them are going to be good games unless. Okay. Okay. So Chargers Chiefs. Okay. Could be a blowout. However, if the Chargers keep it close or even beat the Chiefs, it's a huge look at who the Chargers are this year. And the Chiefs' yes, defense doesn't look as good as it should. Exactly. And the, yes, the Chargers did just lose to the Dallas Cowboys, but we all know the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFL one week and the worst team in the NFL the next week. Their quarterback should be Jameis Winston. So I just don't know how to read the Cowboys yet, and I don't know if I ever will because they'll finish 9-8 and eight, and they'll beat the great teams and lose to the bad teams. Um, so I'm very curious to see who this team is in L.A. Okay. Um, wearing the light blue and yellow. Um, so if they keep it close against the Chiefs, that's going to be something I'm watching for. And then the Bengals and Steelers is the game. And the reason I chose this game is because you are so hard on the Steelers going down, down, down. I think you'll see it. I'm also high on the Bengals going up, up, up. This so should be a winnable this, game for Cincinnati. This is a very winnable game for Cincinnati. Um, and it's 
this could be the game that kind of flips those two teams in the AFC North here. So, so if Cincinnati comes out and wins 42 to seven, the Steelers are done. Yeah. They will, they won't get back to the playoffs for five years. I agree. calling it right now. Well, you'd have to restart, but if the Steelers can hold them off and win on a last second field goal or something, then yep. the Steelers are two and one. Right. Yeah. And things are looking okay in Pittsburgh. I would agree. But it's gonna be it's gonna be careful, and I like that. That's a game that you picked. I can, as you can tell, folks. Mike is giving credence to the fact that the downfall of the Steelers may be closer than he once admitted at the beginning of the season. With that comment right there, is see, that and I'm the getting? reason I want to watch it is because I still think that they're they're a mediocre football team, right? So, like, I listen to Common Man all the time. Shout out to Common Man on K Fan. Are they the lousiest of the best and the best of the lousy, yeah. or are they just lousy? I think they're just lousy. We'll see. I think Mike Tomlin is not lousy. I think that roster is lousy, and we'll get to On that. On the inside, it is. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, I mean it's it's bad pretty much everywhere without one of their two stars on both sides of the ball. That's sure. what that's what I see. Um, I've got the four o'clock games, and while I would agree that I am going to be strapped in for Viking Seahawk football, that is uh, going to kick off here in Minneapolis on Sunday. The game that I really want to watch. That's a three twenty-five kickoff. I think so. Sweet. I believe so. We'll see. Um, it could be the 405. Maybe it's just because it was from a different time zone, the photo I was looking at. But um, I'm really intrigued to see this matchup because the NFL power rankings have these teams actually ranked at one and two, and it's the Rams versus the Bucks. Ooh. Can Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald slow down all the weapons that they have? And is with, and it does seem that that Tampa Bay defense has some holes in it. It's playing a little bit slower. The pass rush isn't as dominant. What are we going to get out of Matt Stafford in that game? And Sean McVay, you're really good. Because this could be a preview of a late, late playoff matchup. Like late, This could be late. an NFC Championship preview. Absolutely. And I want every single second of it. I'm actually going to pre-record it. I'm going to ignore it on social media and I'm going to rewatch it live. Because you're going to get a real good look at if the Rams have gotten over the cusp, not to say that football in September is, is anything evident of football that you're going to be getting in, you know, February, but this would be a massive step in the right direction. And with Jalen Ramsey playing that new role, um, as that inside like nickel style roaming safety corner, if it, if he can get his hands on Tom Brady or if he can fool Tom Brady, that defense is just going to be all the more confident as they roll through the remainder of the season. So speaking of Matt Stafford really quick, yeah. if only he were the quarterback of the Detroit Lions because they would have beat the Packers. I know, right? All right. So I have the Monday or the Sunday night game. Yeah. I have the Sunday night game, and that is a uh, Packers and 49ers matchup. Are the 49ers uh, 2-0 right now? Yeah, but They're oddly... probably like the worst 2-0 team, though, in my opinion. Well, see, I don't know because they're one of those teams that if so if they came out and mollywopped the Packers seventeen to forty five, would you be surprised? No, but I wouldn't say that it's because San Francisco is good. I would say it's more Green Bay is bad. But think about it: like their pass rush is good. They have good corners. Yes. Do they have two good linebackers? Yes. So is I'm not saying they're a bad team five? by any means. Yes. I'm not saying they're a bad team by any means. But okay, so let's do this really quick. Okay, so the NFL two and O teams. Do you know them off the top of your head? I believe it's the Arizona Cardinals, 49ers, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Panthers. Okay. So Bucks, Panthers, Raiders, 49ers, Broncos, 
So out of those teams, I guess the Broncos are probably the worst 2-0 team. Um, but I think the Niners are probably the second worst. Just by, yeah, based on current performance. But you got to think, man, when they put it together, that O-line, that receiving core, their, their running backs are, is, is really good. strong and deep. It's but deep. that means nothing because look at the Vikings defense. Yeah. On paper, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL. In real life, they've let up 900 yards through two games. You so, are what your record says you are. Okay, They're a 2-0 uh, football team. That's why I spotlighted this game, though, because I'm curious to see how this this matchup works because it's a 1-1 one one inconsistent Green Bay Packers team. I got you. Versus a not-so-good-in-my-opinion 2-0 49ers team. Yeah, I would make the argument that it's a 2-0 good, deep Niners team against a consistently slightly above average and noisy Green Bay Packers team that is going to have a hard time in a dogfight winning against a real competition. All right. So um, then I've got the uh, Monday night football game. And why is it that I got the, I got the, 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 I'm usually really excited for Thursdays and Mondays because there's one football game and I work all day waiting for those and they just give me trash games. I don't like watching Dallas. I don't get why they, like, I feel like the primetime games haven't been great. They haven't been. Like, bump the Vikings-Cardinals game to primetime. I mean, I get it. Everybody wants to see Dak Prescott play football and Ezekiel Elliott continue to be the second best running back on the Cowboys roster. Tony Pollard is way better, and Zeke Elliott's career is over. If he can't get his yards per carry up over 3.2 by the middle of the season, I'd be making a call to a Dallas hometowner in Adrian Peterson because I think he's got more gas left in the tank than Zeke does. And that's Nick's hot take of the day. Yep, that would be my hot take of the day. But it's just it's going to be a bad game. You're going to see it's going to look like a good game because it's going to be too inconsistently and below average football teams from the NFC NFC East playing each other. Unfortunately, I just, I don't like, what do you have winning that game? I will reserve that for my picks on Saturday. Tune in to our Instagram channel where our Instagram feed, where me and Mike post our picks. Those are called teasers. That is called progress. And that is our predictions or our what to watch going into week Three, let us know what you guys got as any upsets. Let us know what you guys got for games that you're going to be watching in your hometowns. Love to hear from you as always. And now we are going to go into something that has been heavily debated between me and Mike uh, as far as where should some teams should fall and how they level out in my power structure segment. Okay. So we're going to do the very cliche media thing where we're going to go ahead and tear out. I'm going to go ahead and tear out all the NFL teams and I want to get your opinion. And then I think next week, Mike should probably do the same as we go into week three. So uh, Gabe, whenever you're ready, if you can get me the blank pyramid, that'd be great. So I've not that one, Gabe. What a graphic. The, uh, <laughs> the other pyramid, Gabe. No, I've got one where it, it's got uh, the, the the writing the on writing it as well. Up. I love that this is the one he put up. Uh, it's what I was sent. No, nah, it's all I good. got this. We'll go, th- we'll go through the first two. So this is how I have the rank. Pay attention to the words on the other side. It's going to be, there's five tiers to NFL football teams. I feel like there's guys that can win multitudes of ways. You trust their head coach and their quarterbacks in big games. Um, they can beat you with defense. Any given moment, any of their units could take over a ball game. Okay. Kansas City, Buffalo, and the Bucks. Okay. 
You could all argue they all have good pass rush. You trust all their head coaches and their quarterbacks have big arms and can play clutch late in the season that bodes well. Would you agree? I would agree with everything about about it other than possibly trusting Sean McDermott in a big spot. We'll see. He's built a good program. That is for sure. And I think a lot of times that leads to can to being good in good spots, right? He did it the right way. He built it, didn't buy it. And all of his guys are bought into his system. So I think it would be easy to put them up there. Yep. Okay. So then we got rank number two. Okay. Now these are going to be teams that have two of three pieces. Very often I, I consider the three most important pieces depth on their roster that is above average talent, a trustworthy head coach, and a good quarterback. Those things will get you deep into playoffs consistently. Okay. Peyton Manning didn't consistently always have a great roster, but Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning were really good together. Tom Brady didn't consistently have a great roster, but Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have been really good. You could argue that while some of the Vikings teams with Cole Pepper, he wasn't a super dominant quarterback, but the head coaching staff and Denny Green and the depth of the roster got us deep into some playoff runs, right? And a lot of times what those teams are doing are they're using their two strong points to cover down on that third weakness, and they're going to win a lot of football games, right? That way, they're just going to run you off with their two strongest pieces. Uh, Tennessee's got a real deep roster, and they've got a good head coach. Not that Tannehill's a great quarterback. Seattle, you got Pete Carroll and Russell Westbrook. The roster isn't always there, but they make... You said Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson, my apologies. Green Bay Packers. Sometimes it's Aaron and a good head coach in Matt LaFleur. Sometimes it's Aaron and a good roster and a bad head coach in Mike McCarthy. The Baltimore Ravens, Harbaugh and Lamar. Uh, the Rams, Stafford and McVay or Donald and St or Even if you don't consider uh, Matt Stafford to be a top-level quarterback, it can be um, McVay and that roster, and they're elevating Stafford. So you see how all of these teams have two very dominant key points and they're covering down for a third nope okay so two questions mm -hmm. one the packers do not have two pieces they have one they have number 12 maybe you're saying you, you your argument was matt lafleur is a great nfl head coach i actually like lafleur and his offense okay so he's a good oc good ocs have run this league for a long time with the way that the rules are i would argue now. that the packers are in the if you let them play their style of football they okay. can beat anyone, but look awkward outside of those games. Okay. Week one, they looked real awkward. They even looked kind of awkward last week. Yep. But I have enough faith long-term that they'll they'll figure it out. The other argument that I have, I would also argue that, honestly, I think the Browns could qualify for the top spot. I trust Kevin Stefanski. Do you trust Baker Mayfield in As big, the most in efficient quarterback in the league this year so far? Sure. Um, uh, it's what, it's what have you done for me lately, right? I so lately he's almost, he, I think he's the most efficient quarterback in the NFL right now. Possibly. Um, the Ravens, I would say have depth on the roster. They have a quarterback that can win in big spots and they have a hell of a head coach. Minus injuries. They would have been in the top tier. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I would say the Rams belong in the top tier as well. Cause they have Sean McVay, who I trust to make the right move in the big spot. Okay. Um, outside of losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, that man, I feel like, has coached very, very well. I agree. The um, roster's good. I think Stafford is a top-tier quarterback. So the reason I didn't put him up there, and I knew you were going to get to this, is because have you seen him make the big play in the big spot? Is there tangible evidence that in like a playoff style I or mean, a game See, that's the thing. is He just never got the playoff shot in Detroit, right? Okay, so, so. without that proving factor, you, he doesn't technically qualify. 
Okay, so fair enough. The Rams can be in the second tier on a technicality. But that's just like you wanted my opinion. Yeah. That's my opinion. They would be I think the Rams would be one of the Rams and Ravens are the best two teams in that. See, team. and I think that's where the Vikings fit. We'll get to that. Gabe, do you have the one with three tiers or four tiers? There we go. All right. So the next one I've got is if you let these teams play football their way, they're gonna beat you. They're gonna. They're good enough at doing what they do best to hang with absolutely anybody, to include some of those teams at the very top tier. Now, outside of those games, if you get them off rhythm, if you get their play caller in long situations, if you shut down their most dominant player, if you find if they are coming into a game with an injury or they're even just an odd scheduling opportunity, these teams are going to look a little wonky, right? So the Patriots, eh, they don't have the best weapons at, at the wide receiver position. So if you shut down the running game, what are they really? They're a defensive team with a young with a young quarterback. Now, typically they're up one because you could say back then it was Brady and Bill in, in, a, in a strong roster, but they don't even have the quarterback position filled out right now. San Francisco, same deal. Doesn't have the quarterback position filled out. I feel like with Jimmy Garoppolo's loss in confidence, it really is a roster and, and sometimes Shanahan, but even he looks shaky in big games. The Arizona Cardinals still have a lot to prove. If you let them fly wide open and chuck the ball all over the yard and you make it a score fest, they're going to wear you out. If they get a lead early, their pass rush can beat you. The Dolphins, if you let them play balanced football from front to back and you just let them play smart, Brian Flores pretty much led football, they'll win a lot of games. You let Washington's defense beat you up and let them run the football, same thing. Dallas, uh, anything with Dak on the play action, moving, being mobile out of the pocket, or letting Zeke Elliott, Elliott get, get loose. Okay, The Colts running the ball and playing defense. The Vikings running the ball and playing defense. If they can do those things, they can beat just about anybody, but it's very inconsistent. Would you agree? With all of that, you just said a dissertation, and then do you agree? No, no just I like don't with agree. the with the teams no. in that no. pool, the Vikings are up one because with your argument, they have depth on their roster, okay, and a good head coach. That's two of three. I don't know, man. I don't know if they can win just throwing the football. Like if you shut down Dalvin Cook, are the, are the Vikings going to win football games? Depends you said it last week. Depends on who it is. You made leniency to, are we 150 yards from Dalvin or a lost football game football team? And I said, yes, that's what they are. If you let Dalvin run downhill, which opens up everything else for us, allows our defense to rest, allows our pass rushers to be consistent, then we're winning football games. I just, I think that Kirk could throw for 350 and beat a team. I just don't think he can do it week in and week out. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, I think the Colts are right where they belong. Oh, yeah. I think the Cowboys are right where they belong. I would agree with Washington. I think the Dolphins could possibly even get bumped down one. I was thinking about that, but they're just the depth on their roster, the strength of some at Will Fuller. It's just so youth, youthful, though. Yeah. Um, maybe in a year they'll be kind of where, that, where you have them. Okay. Um, I think the Cardinals could possibly be up one. I don't trust Kingsbury in a big spot. No, but they have depth on their roster and a hell of a quarterback. So there's your it's two true. or three, right? Um, and then you could make an argument that the Niners, if they figured out the quarterback position, could be up one as well because they do have Shanahan and a hell of a roster. And I wanted to, but then I think about Shanahan anytime he's been in good ga- in big games, the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, and that playoff game where where. It looked like they had the Chiefs 
in the bag and they just continue to throw the football again. So I don't know if I trust him in big spots. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, let's go to the, the next one. All right. Now, this is where I see a lot of the teams that me and you debate on landing. All right. This has one player or unit that can absolutely take over a football game. If you let that guy get loose, he can beat you. Right. You think of Philly with that defensive line can be dis- disruptive. Pittsburgh with the pass rush. Cincinnati, if you let Joe Burrow get going, sure, they can beat you. We saw that evident by the Vikings game. Okay, the Panthers with McCaffrey, the Saints with Kamara, uh, the Broncos pass rush, the Bears pass rush, Herbert for the Chargers. Bears are terrible, sorry. Herbert for the Chargers, the Giants. If you let that those weapons, Barkley, Galladay, Ingram, Shepard, if you let those guys go, Awesome, they'll beat you. And then the Raiders. If you let Josh Jacobs control the football game, they'll win a lot of football games. Now, I think now, the Raiders are probably the best team in this category that could go up one, but I want to see them play well late in the season, which they notoriously don't do after Thanksgiving, before I give them that credence. Because this is also a team that beat the Chiefs last year and then looked abysmal down the stretch. But you could, as of right now, you could make an argument that the Raiders belong with the Browns, Ravens, Packers, Seahawks. It's it's two weeks. I'm not going to overreact. We can touch on this throughout the season. And if the Raiders go, and I, I agree, I think they're a rapidly rising team. If they can show me some consistency. I mean, if you were going to tell me that Derek Carr had, I think, like 350 passing yards. Right. But what's his season? It's been really well. He's played super well. I want to say he's got like 800 something. Yeah, he's got a lot of passing yards. Let's see. But here's my question. So if you put him the next one, the next one, or even the two up. He has 817 passing yards in two games. I agree. I'm not saying he's having a bad season. This is as a, as an entire roster and what you have showed me. Do you trust Gruden? That's the thing. I don't know. It's been 10 years. It's John Gruden. It's been 10 years since I've seen Gruden in a big spot. Do you trust Carr? You ever seen Carr in a big spot? Nah. So what have you showed me? He did beat the Ravens in OT in week one. In week one. And what did we say about all the playoff teams in week one? I mean, that's that's your argument. Don't don't say we said that. You said that. Yeah, and I was right, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the Saints could be if you let them play their style. I don't know, man. With all the especially with Lattimore out now and Jameis now that we know Jameis Winston is not the but super other than consistent. That, I would, I would pretty much agree, honestly. Actually, I think the Chargers could be kind of a their style team as well. Okay. Shoot out kind of like the Cardinals type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. All right. And then, uh, Gabe, if you want to slide us to the upper right-hand corner, you can show us the bottom tier. The production value of this show is always fantastic because of that man. Oh, it's, he's... oh no. It's Do we not have it? I can list off the teams if we don't have it. Well, I just yeah, sorry. Well, I'm I'm uh, juggling here trying to get these. So let's get. It's all good. Maybe it's the next one. Bingo. There okay. we go. The last one is going to be bad ownerships and complete rebuilds. Okay, these teams are too old, too young, too dysfunctional. The owner doesn't know how to build a football team. They're constantly in some form of turmoil. They can't get the quarterback position right. They're constantly shuffling head coaches. There's a lot going on, and it makes it hard to be a good team, and these are the teams you're going to consistently see at the top of the draft inside the top 10. Jets, Lions, Jags, Houston, and the Falcons. Um, A couple of reasons. The Jets are too young. The Lions are too dysfunctional. The Jags are way too young. At head coach, 
and at quarterback, even though Trevor Lawrence looked better in week two than he did in week one. The Texans need to figure out the quarterback position. They're 15 years into that joke after drafting Derek Carr's brother. And the Texans have been around since 2002. It's been 19 years then? 19 years of just terrible. Of terrible quarterback play and head coaching. And then the last one is the Atlanta Falcons, which I called it before the season. Matt Ryan looks like he has regressed rapidly without Julio Jones and extra guys in the box and not a dominant running back. And they've got a brand new head coach and it's just, it's they're they're bad right now and they need a reset. So those would be, that's how I see all 32 teams shaking out in the NFL. How do you feel about the bottom tier teams? Anybody else that belongs down there? Mike's going to say the bears. Maybe the bears. <laughs> To be honest, like I have absolutely no trust in Nagy. Okay. Um, and there's one player on the Bears roster that's keeping them out of there. Yeah, Cleo Mack. I was gonna say Justin Fields. because oh. I think Mack is over the hill. Oh. He bench pressed Tristan Wirfs with one hand last year. You're gonna tell me last year. Khalil, I apologize that Mike thinks you're washed up. That is an incorrect. I statement. didn't say washed up. I said on the down like over the hill. So he's coming down on his career. He's getting worse. Or is that team just empty cupboarded enough now to where he's getting way too much attention? I mean, they basically had one of the best defensive lines in football for and five of years. That, he was able to not get double teamed like he was in Oakland. But yeah. now that he's getting double teamed again, he's not able to defeat those double teams like he was in Oakland. Yeah. So has he gotten worse? Yes. Okay. Six of um, one, half a dozen of the other. The Lions are terrible, but I think so. Here, let me say this. I think the Lions will be the first team to get out of that tier. Really? Yep. Which ones? Okay. So Gabe Noah comments in the producer in the back. Once again, proves my theory of if I can beat up your quarterback, Matt Ryan, you won't make the playoffs. You would agree. Or I would agree. I would Gabe as well. would beat. That's yeah, great analysis. I wish Arif Hassan were here to hear that. <laughs> hey, maybe he's still watching the show somewhere because he loved us so much. If you are, comment in. But, um, um, so I think the Lions are going to be the first ones to come out of that tier. I got Jacksonville um, to be the first ones to come out. And that's because of the talent, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason I picked the Lions is because I think, like, I've actually watched a lot of the Lions' first two games. Yes. They, that just, the transformation is really fun to watch. Yeah. I believe the head coach named Dan Campbell. Is yep. that correct? Motor um, City Dan Campbell. And, like, I mean, he really, like, he knew that they were going to lose to the Packers. They played you know hard, I mean? man. Them guys play so fucking hard, man. But they played hard. They bit some kneecaps. And you know what I liked is he didn't freak out when the game started to go away from him. I think, like, he understands I'm in a process. This is week two of the first year of the process. I think Dan Campbell is a gamer quarterback away from them being a... Like a Stafford. Weird. No, not Weird. like Stafford. Somebody new. Dan's guy. Like, uh, if I get they... it, but would they not be... Would they have beaten the Packers in week two if they had Matthew Stafford? Probably. There you go. But I see this as a potential landing spot for the backup quarterback in Denver. Like Drew Locke? Swagadocious gamer, big arm. That's a Dan Campbell style guy. No, we'll see. 
No. I don't think Goff is the answer. I don't. You, well, I don't very think, evident. And you're saying Drew Locke is the answer? He's more of a – Dan's going to get guys that Dan wants. That was, your, play st- that was your stupid football. take of the day right there. It, it could be a rookie too. Like I don't think they're far off from readdressing the quarterback position. No, I don't either. But it's definitely not Drew Locke. Maybe. They got a lot of room under the cap. They could go get another quarterback. Would you rather have it. Drew Locke or Nathan Peterman? Because to me, that's a toss-up. That's how bad Drew we Locke is, We shouldn't even dude. have to talk about six-pick Peterson on this fucking oh, show. Oh, God. Well, you brought up fucking Drew Locke, so I don't know. All right, moving yeah. on. Um, So let us know what you think. Look at that. Uh, let us know what you think about Nick's NFL power structure. Um, we'll let us know where... next week. Yes, we will. Thank you for that, Nicholas. Um, let us know where you think he was correct. Um, let us know where you think he was incorrect. And uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Absolutely. As soon as we, like it's a voicemail. Yep. Hey, I think the Panthers are a really good football team. You should bump them up two spots. If you call, we, our phone number is posted. If you call me and leave a voicemail, I'll play it on this show. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's the power oh, structure. Dude, I really hope someone just leaves an awful voicemail for you. We will play that on the show as well. And then we will mute that person on social. <laughs> good way so, to get blocked. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's the power structure. And now it is time for our degenerate gambler segment, um, where we do our money pick of the week as we begin to wrap up the show here. Mike, I think we have one picked out. Yeah, what we both agree. We both agree. What? Um, it is the Jets to cover the spread against the Broncos. Yeah, at 10.5 at plus 450. Um, I think those are good odds. I don't think you're going to see another three-pick game, you know, from from Zach Wilson. So a little bit on a bounce back. Um, I think the Broncos, who are a middle-of-the-road team, could also this could also be a trap game for yep. them. Um, not to say that Teddy's going to play bad or whatever, but with Jerry Judy being down and there, there's a little bit more tape on how the offense runs now, like defenses are going to begin to catch up. And this is an opera. I don't think the Broncos have the firepower nor the want to beat them by 10 plus. I could very easily see them getting a 10 point lead and just running the clock out with Melvin Ingram. You know what I mean? So I think right. this is and a that's, good bet. that's the key to this is it's a 10 and a half, yeah. right? So like the Broncos could win by 10 and you still win your bet. But if it comes back down to 10, avoid. There wasn't avoid, really yeah. anything that was good on this. Um, if you're looking for another bet, my roommate did give me some good odds on the Ryder Cup, which has started today, and you'll be able to bet on through the weekend. So I will post those as well if you're not super confident with that number coming back down to 10 potentially. Um, but I don't think it will. It may even go higher, at which point we're even just going to get better odds. So um, let's all put $10 and let it ride through the season. I am with Gabe Noah on that. I'll put $10 on that game. How about you, Mike? Yeah. Let's do, do it. it. So uh, those odds, by the way, folks, were brought to us by FanDuel. We're looking for some sponsors. <laughs> Come visit us. Um, All right. So uh, let us know what you think is maybe the sneaky money pick of the week. Absolutely. If we miss something, we want to know about it, no matter what sport it is. And you can leave a voicemail if you'd like. Hey, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. But if it makes sense, does it necessarily make dollars? I don't know. All right. So actually, uh, we're pretty much done with football uh-huh. for the day. Um, but we do have some good news for Minnesota sports fans. Ah, I'm so excited. Putin didn't get his wish. No, he did not. Uh, Kirill, the thrill, Kaprizov got a new deal Kaprizov. with the Wild. He is going to be here for five years. It's going to be at nine instead of nine, nine. So I think we even got a little bit of a hometown discount because I was expecting it to be closer to 10. 
than it was at nine. There isn't a ton of information on what the hangups may have been. Me and Mike will get back to you after we get the chance to read some articles. We'll post some things on social media about it to let us let you guys know what the separation might be. But this is going to be our glass half topic of the day. We got Kirill for the next five years. And in the words of this man right here before he gets started, let's go win a fucking Stanley Cup. I mean, I'll take half full. Yeah. He's one of the best young players in the NHL. Oh my God, for five years. Like, all right, I'm done. Your turn. Like, fuck. He's literally like, you, he, I would argue he's a top 20 player in the NHL right now. The fact that he's not making top 10 money is astounding to me. And we got him for five years. Like, I don't know. There, how is, I'm very curious to see how you can turn this into a half empty. Well, we're on the situation. Of I'm waiting. The, the deal, right? So let's break down the contract a little bit further five years i think is a positive because i think what this is going to turn into and i was talking to gabe about this before the show three years from now that dead cap money from those two guys is going to fall off and we're going to have a little those two guys meaning Suter and prezi we're not going to talk about the old guys that don't belong to the team anymore okay even (laughs) though one of them i think one of them's hanging in the background back there that might be him um that's that's miku never mind um but once that money falls off, it's very common with two years left on a deal. If you want to get another hometown discount to restructure, would you agree? Basketball, football. I mean, baseball. you're definitely the contract expert, but I have definitely heard of that happening. Yes. So I think what's going to happen is where he's going to get nine for the next three years. And then if everything goes well and the team is still relevant, when it falls off the table, we'll restructure his deal. He'll get top 10 money and we'll be able to afford a roster around him. As much as I doubted the Minnesota Wild, this was a massive step in the right direction. Whoa, 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 hang whoa, on, whoa, whoa, hang whoa. on, hang Where's on. Where's your half empty the, take? The glass half empty, Mike, is for the rest of the NHL. Every time you got to oh come play God. the Minnesota Wild <laughs> for the next five years, that is the glass half empty. Oh, jeez. All right. I'm super excited. If he wants to come on the show, we would love to have him. If anybody has any more news on the Minnesota Wild, feel free to let us know. I'm really glad that he's going to be here so we have some relevant hockey to watch as I go, unfortunately, and me and you both into our 30s so we don't have to be grumpy 30-year-old sports fans. But, yeah, big deal for Kirill Kaprizov. Absolutely love it. Gabe, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you watch Minnesota Wild hockey? Um, I do kind of off and on. I mean, I definitely like – Truly, a player like him is who pulls me in to make me watch um, multiple games, yeah. whereas normally I just uh, go show up to the Excel Center, you know, twice a year or something like that, but but don't pay close attention. But I played hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm very into hockey. But truly, this is the dude who you need to get excited about this shit. That's right. We don't, like, I mean, even Gabrick, as good as he was... And and he had some good years scoring. He wasn't a scorer like you want. Like, He's a fast break scorer only. Yeah, yeah. Speed only. He didn't dangle. He didn't, you know, like whatever. Have some some style. And and this guy appears to have that. And I'm psyched. So He's, as as outlandish as this is going to sound, I have to say it. The only player that I've seen instinctually move the puck and to- understand where everybody else is on the ice. Was the great one. Are you about to make a, a a Wayne Gretzky? You're the one who said his name. I said the great one. <sighs> okay. So, but honestly, like, who who else have you seen truly understand where guys are behind him and the angles and be able to play a pass, like, off the back wall around to somebody? Like, his IQ he, is insane. His IQ, and it, it's instinctual. He's not thinking mm. through things like that. It's no. instinctual. It just takes over. Um, yeah, he's... He's one of those guys that you watch. I like legitimately his his ability to have spatial awareness yeah. is 
incredible yep. to just know where guys are going to be. Like and his all instincts the time. that go with it are just he's five tool player, man. The only thing that's separating us from a cup right now is him stepping up in the playoffs. Okay, since you mentioned the cup, how many of them is he going to drink out of in the next five years, Mike? Two. I uh, I will take that. Over, under at one and a half? Sure. And I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. So let us know what you guys think on the Kirill Kaprizov deal. Kaprizov. Are you excited that he's back for five years? Are you excited that it was only for $9 million? Do you think we're going to restructure at that three-year mark, which is pretty typical? And how many Stanley Cups are we going to be able to raise now that that man is back in the green, red, and what tan, white, gold, whatever you want to call sunset. it? Sunset. Hey. Oh. That's basically what uh, it hey is. Guys, the logo. It's a sunset. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm reading. <laughs> um, like I'm reading this article a yeah. little bit back here. So, you know, it looks like a face to face is what is what got it done because mm-hmm. it was getting a little bit heated. So it said that Capri's or uh, Caprisoft's camp wanted less time, and the yeah. Wild were trying to sign for seven in eight years. Yeah, and so I, apparently that was part of what. Well, I think I think we touched on that uh, when we first started this talk. The Wilds very obviously wanted to give him a deal that I think was in line with Fiala because just like absolutely long term. Fiala got eight, or was it somebody Um, else that got eight? I believe so. Let me. But that they were trying to build a young or or sign a young nucleus for an extended period of time, and it didn't work out. Now, like I said, I think five years was the right. Uh, Not Fiala because Fiala is one year. Okay. Uh, maybe it was, and it was one of the other young wings or centers, I believe. But it, this is good. This is going to hold the nucleus together for a while, and now the Wild just need to go prove that they can get it done. It should be uh, beyond the first round or bust every year for the next five years. Sounds like he's a sharp dude, too. It says that he was very involved in his negotiations and all that stuff, too. That's that, interesting. And that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Both good well. to hear. So. All right, folks. Oh, we, saw, we signed Erickson Eck to an eight-year. There, Erickson Eck was the, the guy that got an yep. eight-year, which yep. was a good deal. I like that. Yep. I like that deal I a like lot. I like Erickson Eck. So um, let us know what you guys thought on everything that we commented in on today. We always love to hear from you. Me and Mike are going to go enjoy some football throughout the rest of the weekend. Good luck to Mike. And who does Andover got this week? Andover plays uh, homecoming. So we get to come home White out, after going out, at Rogers. Uh, I don't know, actually. Wow, sure. coach. Wow. Uh, last week was a jersey out. Um, I'm not sure what, what it is this week. I'm focused on the game, man. Focused on the game. Focused on uh, we, we play St. Francis. St. Francis comes nice. to us. Little Northern Division. Worried rivalry. about them? Um, you know, you, you, they have some good players, but we have some good players too. It should be a good game. They have better players. Go Andover. Go Huskies. I can't believe it. That just came out of my mouth. But guess what? Nobody likes the Cougars because of Diggins. So um, we can end the show. That's going to be in 2 million homes. I hope that gets tread. But uh, let's head on over or head on out for the weekend. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you guys next Thursday as we celebrate what will be a Vikings home victory. Um, Comment. We'll be live on Instagram and stuff pretty much all weekend. Don't forget to stop by on Saturdays and make your picks on our Instagram. Um, By the way, if you want to bet, bet with us because I went, uh, what was it? Three I went 11 and, and 5. I went 3 and 13. 13 and 3. 13 and 3. There you go. I went 13 and 3 this week after only getting six wins. So I'm bouncing back and I will only continue to pick winners as this is the second hottest sports gambling show on the internet, probably. Nobody knows about it yet, though. So maybe shout us out if you got it. Gabe, um, anything before we let him go? Well, yeah. Actually, I was going to say if uh, we should look for an official bookie of the Glass Half Sports Show, reach on uh, out for us to do our. Uh, Putting, putting our uh, bets in and letting it ride. If you want to bet along with us, 
Yeah. Let's do it. Absolutely. I know, I know sports gambling is kind of like vitamins, probably going to be the last thing. I'm sorry, but I have year, to ask this. Is yeah. sports gambling still illegal in Minnesota? Absolutely. Okay. I thought so. <laughs> it is absolutely still illegal in the state of Minnesota, but we're here for even our outside, our out-of-state customers, Mike. Right. If they we win, we can, we can buy off the uh, police if, yeah. if we win. So there we go. Let's just do that. Let's make sure we win. The mm. comments of our producers Let's do not Jets. reflect the thoughts of the show. <laughs> um, glad to have you guys. Can we play the outro music, Gabe? Do we have that? There we go. Jesus. All right. Let's get on out of here. Excited to have you today. Excited to have you next week. Tell your friends about us. Be a friend. Tell a friend. And if you missed the episode, find us where? On MCN6. Friday nights and Saturday afternoons at 1 p.m. Uh, you can also check in with us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Well, Twitter, if, if Twitter decides to work, uh, TikTok, Spotify, Facebook, and Facebook. And eventually maybe YouTube and Patreon and lots of other platforms that I don't have time for. But I appreciate you guys. Take care. Stay safe. And Enjoy the football. Have a and, great weekend. And thanks to... Arif Hassan. Yeah, yeah thank you again yeah. to Arif Hassan. Thank you for coming on the show. You can be a frequent flyer anytime you want. Reach out to us. Let us know. I hopefully we'll be able to interact with him a little bit more on Twitter over the weekend. And uh, we'll check out the Wide Left pod, the podcast for him as well. If you yeah, the time. yeah. And then we'll have a, we'll have a link to his lavender um, relief project. Yeah, relief project on yep. the, you know on our social media page. So come find it. Absolutely.